until finally I just said, you know what, God, I know this is my livelihood. It's something that I've worked my entire life for, but I believe that your word is true and you promised to direct my path. And so I will acknowledge you in all my ways and I'll do that. I don't know what's next for me. I have no idea, but I trust you. And with that, I left the entertainment industry. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you really the coolest story (laughs) from Allison Hold in Trustful. You know, I love it when God layers truths on us, and I think Allison's story is the perfect follow-up from Courtney's story last week. One thing that Courtney said last week was the importance of discerning you know, what you're great at versus what God wants you to do, and that's really a lot of what Allison's story is about at the very beginning, and then just the faithfulness of God as she trusted His Word and followed His lead. It's a great story for the new year to get us just focused in on what God wants for us. Yes, Katie, and I'm so excited. We have Double Trustful today Yay. because our, our friends on Patreon, they are getting more content as usual, and we have a bonus story from Tragedy to Clarity by Lisa Bright from Trustful. Lisa's sharing her story of losing her son to addiction and how the Lord motivated her to start the Will Bright Foundation and really turning that tragedy into something that was purposeful for her and her husband. So you don't want to miss it. If you want to join us on Patreon, you can simply click the link down in our show notes right now to scroll right down on your phone, or you can go to our website at storytellerslive.org. And don't forget, as the new year begins, you will want to purchase when God shows up either Stories of Hope or Stories of Freedom. Small groups are starting up and people are looking for Bible studies. And so we encourage you to check out the When God Shows Up series, and that is also available on our website. Here's Allison. It's so good to see you guys. Um, I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share my story of just the blessing of God. He's just been so, so good. And not because I deserve it, but just because He's sovereign and He wants to bless us if we receive it. So thanks for listening. I hope this does bless someone. I know that there's someone here tonight that needs to hear this story. And so I just try to be obedient and share it as much as I can, because again, it's not about me at all. It's about what God can do. So, um, all right, I'll get started. You guys, my story starts In Birmingham, Alabama, um, as a young little ambitious girl who loved to dance, I was actually better at sports. So I did organized sports, softball and gymnastics, ice skating, all those things. Um, And then my parents got divorced when I was nine. and My dad moved to Illinois. So our household finances got split in half. And so my mom was like, all right, Allison, you just got to pick one thing to focus on. And I chose dance. And she's so sweet. She sweetly just asked me, you know, um, do you want to pick something else maybe? (laughs) Because I was the worst at dance. Like I said, I was better at sports, but I just love to dance. Right. But she got behind me and um, we just committed everything to dance, and um, I was determined. So did pretty well there. So I auditioned for Alabama School of Fine Arts and went there 7th through 12th grade. Loved it, had a great experience there. 
And then I graduated and went to the University of Alabama, where I auditioned and made the Bama dance team there. So I don't know if you know anything about dance, but there are different genres of dance, different avenues of dance. And so while I was in high school, we did mostly concert work. So that would be your classics like ballet or modern jazz, that kind of thing. And you would go to a theater to watch a performance. And then there's also commercial work. So commercial work is something where you can see um, more like hip hop or music videos. Something If you turn on ESPN, you'll see, you know, the college dance teams competing, that kind of thing. So I had done concert work in high school. And then when I got to Alabama on the dance team, that was more commercial work and competitive. And so that kind of opened a whole new door for me. So I loved ballet in high school, wanted to be a ballerina. But y'all, my body was not set up for ballet. I did not have hyperextended legs or, you know, I wasn't long and lean muscularly, but I loved it. And then when I got to college, I was introduced to hip hop and that married so well on my body and I I loved it. It wasn't as hard to do for me. It was more enjoyable. And that was actually the first time that I heard peers and colleagues and coaches tell me, you know, you actually have a chance at going pro doing this. You guys, I don't know if that was the genesis or not, but like my eyes were opened. I was just like, wait, I could do this for a living? You mean dance? My gosh. So I was just thrilled. And from then on, I was just tunnel vision. I got to make it professionally. I got to make it professionally. That's exactly what I want to do. And so I really did. All my dreams, hopes, goals went to dancing professionally in the entertainment industry. So a few weeks after graduating, from college in 2008, I packed up my silver Ford Focus and my mom helped me drive to New York City to pursue my dreams of becoming a professional dancer. I spent all my graduation money on dance classes and dance apparel. I was barely eating, but I didn't care because it was I just it was something I wanted to do. I was very passionate about it. And so I started booking a few gigs, got an agent, and danced for the NBA. I was dancing for the New Jersey Nets. They're the Brooklyn Nets now, but they were um, a national basketball-associated team. And started doing little commercials here and there and getting a little bit of notoriety. And so all my friends and family back home in Birmingham were like, wow, Allison, you are on top of the world, girl. We see you on commercials. We see you doing this. We see you here. We see you doing that. You just must be living the dream, living the life. I didn't really feel like that inside, but I was just happy that other people thought that. And (laughs) that was enough to keep me motivated and to keep me going. That's just what I was just thinking, like, okay, more performance, more artists, keep dancing, But then I just had this void, just something that it was just unfulfillment really is what it was. Um, And so I just kind of felt like, okay, well, I just started out in this. I've only been a couple years in the game. So I just haven't danced for a big enough artist yet or big enough stage yet. I started booking more and more gigs. So dancing for the MTV Video Music Awards and 
Saturday Night Live with Kanye West and doing music videos with Jennifer Lopez and traveling the world with Sean Paul. Got to go to some really cool countries and perform. So I just kept thinking that like every time I performed, I would come off stage and then this voice would come into my head and just say like, was that it? And then I'm like, ah, well, that's okay. I just haven't danced for a big enough artist yet. So I just really kind of just felt like the next thing, the next thing. I was always chasing the next thing, the next gig, the next artist, the next big event. I was just on this constant mission for that. And so finally, I got my headlining moment. So January 2013, my agent calls me. She has a New York accent. I'm not even going to do it. She called me and she said, well, Allison, you booked the Super Bowl with Beyonce. Okay, so this, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in 2013, it was a big deal. Okay, like some people were even making fun of it saying, oh, did you guys know that there's going to be a football game at the Beyonce concert? Because that halftime performance was slated to be one of the best in history. So think about the Super Bowl. It's the biggest American stage, millions of viewers, one of the biggest artists of our time. I'm like, okay, this is it. So we went to, there was about 30 of us dancers that were chosen throughout the country. And we all flew to New Orleans, stayed there for two weeks, and we rehearsed for eight to 10 hours every day in heels, mind you. Okay. But it was great. You know, it was grueling work, but it was something that I knew. I'm like, this is it. You know, it's kind of like you've waited your whole life to be a part of something and you finally are in it. So even if the work is hard, you're just like, but this is the thing. So it's fine. Did that, got a few news outlets here in Birmingham, got wind of, um, you know, a Birmingham native gets to dance with Beyonce. So in between rehearsals and my breaks, I'm answering phone calls from news outlets. I mean, y'all, this is crazy. Doing interviews and it was everything that I wished for and hoped for. And so... I remember it's Super Bowl Sunday, so we're all, we got our costumes on, hair is laid, makeup is done, you know, we got everything in place, in order, have my in-ears in, these little things, because in um, the Superdome, there's so many echoes, so many sounds going on that you have to have these little devices in your ears to hear the track, so you can all be on the same tempo with the music. Um, So had those in. Y'all, I'm dancing my little heart out, okay? I'm living my best life. That's maybe 12 minutes, right? That particular year, all the lights went out in the Superdome, and people were saying, oh, Beyonce, shut it down. She shut it down. That performance was so crazy, you know? So I remember, before I even made it back to my dressing room, you guys, that same voice visited me again and said, was that it? Was that really it? So think about that. All that work, all of those years going into this one moment, and I still was unfulfilled. And I just couldn't believe it. Really wild. So part of my story is I grew up in church. Always went to church unless we were sick. Um, I was a part of youth revivals. I was in the youth choir. I was on the praise dance team. So Monday through Saturday, though, I'm the master of my fate, captain of my soul kind of thing, you know. But on Sundays, oh, we're going to church. So 
when I moved to New York, I kept up that same culture because that's what I was raised in and found a great church that I liked there. I didn't really have a personal relationship with Jesus. I prayed for auditions. Lord, help me get this job. I prayed, you know, before tests and um, said my prayers every night for family, you know, and friends, but I didn't really have a personal relationship with him. When I was in New York, I remember thinking, okay, I travel so much. I'd really like to have a church where I could catch online sometimes. So I was at this, the church in New York and I asked one of the staff members one day, I said, hey, I'm looking for something really unique. I don't know if you have this or know of anything like this, but I tour a lot. I travel a lot, but then my family lives in Birmingham. I go visit them often. Do you know of a church in Birmingham that I could go visit in person, but then also catch online anytime I'm traveling or touring. And she was like, well, you know, a lot of churches aren't doing the whole online thing, which is so funny post pandemic, right? But she was like, this, this was like 2010 or 11, something like that. She's like, but there is this one church that I know is a lot like us and they have started doing this. I'll check it out. So I just remember one of the very first services uh, messages that I watched the senior pastor, Pastor Chris, said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like this. He said, you will always be chasing something, money, fame, success, acceptance, whatever it is, you'll always be chasing it until you have Jesus. And I remember thinking, wow, he's really speaking to me through this laptop. Like, how does he know that I struggle with this? And what I loved about what he said after it, um, he gave some practical tips. He said, why don't you just try this for 15 minutes every day? Five minutes just listening to worship music, five minutes reading your Bible, and five minutes in prayer. And I'm like, oh, I can do this. I'm going to ace this. You know, I can do this from anywhere. I travel a lot. So this is this is great. I can do this, especially if it's going to help me get a relationship with Jesus, which is what he's saying is the thing that I need. So you guys, I was reading my Bible on the tour bus. I was in my dressing room in another country, pulling up my fishnets, you know, watching messages and praying and listening to worship music. Some of the other band members were even like, what? Who is this? I'm like, this is Hillsong United. Get with it. You know, (laughs) so it was just really cool to see that kind of transformation. But it was practical, right? It was something you tangibly could do every day. And it wasn't lofty. It wasn't this, you know, you have to set this atmosphere. It was really just, hey, do these small things and see the change that can happen. And so I'll never forget this. I can't remember what country I was in. I can't remember what hotel but I do remember I was in a hotel one night and I was doing the five, the 15 minutes and I was reading my Bible for five minutes. I came across Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I had heard that scripture before a lot of times, right? I grew up in church, but For some reason, I heard it with fresh ears for the first time. I remember that night doing the the same show that I've done for years. I mean, I could do it in my sleep. It was a 90-minute show. But I went on stage that night for the first time 
with, it was like I had prescription lenses on and I just was seeing the choreography that I was doing with fresh eyes, the costuming I was wearing with fresh eyes, listening to the lyrics with fresh ears for the first time. And I said to myself, I cannot be acknowledging God in all my ways doing this. The the thing that I felt like was bringing me so much joy, it's really not because it's not giving him the glory while I'm doing it. I'm not acknowledging him in all my ways. So how can he direct my path? I just remember having that revelation and just thinking, wow, okay. Something shifted that night for me. But how many of you know, sometimes it doesn't take just a shift. It's a constant thing. You just need, uh, maybe I got that wrong. Maybe I don't understand, but it kept happening because I was convicted. I was actually convicted. And so I wrestled with that for a few months until finally I just said, you know what, God, I know this is my livelihood. It's something that I've worked my entire life for. But I believe that your word is true and you promised to direct my path. And so I will acknowledge you in all my ways and I'll do that. I don't know what's next for me. I have no idea, but I trust you. And with that, I left the entertainment industry. It was tough, but I did it and moved back to Birmingham. Now, this is another one. Sometimes when we say we trust God, we secretly have a backup plan just in case things don't work out, don't we? Yes, I can say that I did. At the time, I was dating a guy in Birmingham. I kind of thought, all right, well, moving back to Birmingham, I'll live in the house with my mom for, you know, just a little while, but my boyfriend's going to propose to me, and then my next chapter will be wife life, so I'll have a little bit more time to figure this out. I mean, it, it really won't be terrible. And sure enough, he did propose to me, and we were engaged for a few months before he confessed that he had been cheating on me throughout our entire long-distance relationship. Y'all, I was devastated. I couldn't believe it. I broke up with him, called off the wedding. I resold my wedding gown for an outrageously low price. Had to call my bridesmaids one by one and let them know the wedding wasn't happening. Lost money. Had to look my mom in the face and tell her we can't get that money back. It was really a tough time. So here I was back in my childhood home. No job, no fiance, no future. And I distinctly remember laying in bed one night in my childhood bed and I couldn't breathe. I could not breathe. I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. And I got out of bed and I ran in my mom's room and I said, Mom, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And she just jumped out of bed and we just sat on the floor and she just wrapped her arms around me and just started praying. I didn't know it was a panic attack at the time. I really thought I was dying. But she knew it was just a wall. It was just, I was so broken in that moment. And all she could do was cry out the name of Jesus over me. So I'm so thankful for my mom for being able to speak life over me in a place of death. So thankful for that. But I didn't know what to do. So here I was just in the lowest place of my life that I had ever been. In the city with all the people that have fangirled over me for all those years now have a front row seat to my demise. I didn't want to go anywhere. 
I didn't want to see anybody in case I ran into someone that gave me the, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Look, I couldn't, I couldn't stand that. And so I stayed there for a while. And I just even thought, you know, Lord, I did this thinking I was honoring you, but how did I get here? You know, maybe I would have broken up with my fiance, but if I had stayed dancing, if I had my career, if I was still in New York, I could still keep moving. It would still make sense. Why would you put me in this place? But little did I know, he put me exactly where I needed to be for him to do his very best work. It was amazing. So the only place I really felt comfortable going was church. Thank goodness it was so big. Can pop in and pop out without anybody seeing you. And while I was still with my fiance, we had actually attended the church together a few times, had actually joined a couples group. Can you believe that? That we didn't get to finish because the engagement was so short. But he had started going there a couple times too, but I wasn't talking to him. I just was like, I don't know what he's doing with his life, but I know I need to get some healing. I need some restoration. And so I just jumped in, started going to church there, became a member there, joined a freedom group, which really, you guys, changed my life. Just a curriculum that helps you work through unforgiveness and resentment and just really allows the Lord to heal your heart. I was able to meet my mentor, who, which that's an even crazier story be, uh, that I don't have time to speak about today, but she's amazing. She's still a mentor for me today. And she introduced me to one of my very best friends, and she and I started a dance small group. So this was the first time I got to acknowledge God in all my ways. I got to dance, right? Something that I love doing. There's nothing wrong with dance. Dance is not bad right? It was something that brought me joy. It's just the outlet and who I'm serving with dance is the real culprit, right? And so being able to do that for the Lord and bring other ladies in on the journey was so life-changing. I still get to lead that group to this very day, and it's been such a, such a joy. I love it so much. So from that season, I met great friends, um, started rebuilding my life just piece by piece. Got a corporate job that I did really well in. I bought my first home in Trustville and lots of my friends came over. It was such a blessing to have that house. I would come get off work sometimes and see three cars in my driveway and my girlfriends are in there cooking and eating. I'm like, oh, nice to see you, you know, but that was what I wanted in my life. That's what I needed. Just God loving women um, surrounding me. Moved on, was dating again in a godly way. It was great. Things were really working out. And so over the course of a few years, just meeting different people at church, they would say, you know, Allison, you are so great. And I think I have the perfect guy for you. Okay, he's he's handsome. He loves the Lord. He ha- doesn't have any kids, and you know he's never been married before. I think I think I got the perfect guy for you. And so I'm excited, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Do you have a picture? And they're like, yes, I have a picture. Let me pull it out. And so as soon as they turn their phone around, it's a picture of my ex, my ex fiance. Can you believe that? It became so frequent that I began to tell them who it was before they even showed me the picture. I would just mention his name, say, oh, is it him? And they go, yeah, do you know him? 
<laughs> and I'm like, yes, I do, right? But it's so cool because my life was changed and transformed. And so the people I got to meet through church knew me from freedom, knew me from the start of me going to church there, right? They didn't really know my history. Well, little did I know my ex-fiance was going on that same journey on his own. And so when we broke up, he stayed planted at the church. He got surrounded by healthy friends. He went through freedom himself. He got some great mentors, started leading small groups, even went through Highlands College, which is a ministry leadership program. But all of this, I didn't know. I didn't know about all of that. And so it became so frequent. It was a little bit comical. Um, And apparently people had been doing that to him as well and showing me, showing him the picture of me. And so finally we were like, okay, well, maybe let's just meet up. Let's just see. But honestly, you guys, it wasn't God's timing. It was great that we got to see the transformation that was happening and taking place with both of us. But there was still just something that wasn't right about that. And it wasn't God's timing. And so we blessed each other. Hey, I'm so glad you're doing well. Have a nice life. I'll see you later. He actually got a job at a great church in Florida, moved to Florida. And I was like, okay, that's it. Thank you so much, Jesus. You did a great work in him. Now be gone, right? And he probably was the same (laughs) for me. So fast forward now to January 2020. And the church does something called 21 Days of Prayer every year. And so... um, this I participated in it every year. And I remember one of those days in 2020 in January, I was just pacing and praying. And I believe I heard the Lord say, your heart will be healed in the seventh year. Okay. Well, my heart was broken in 2013. Seven years from that is 2020. Oh, so this year? Really, God, you are going to heal my heart and send me my husband this year. This is great. I've been praying for a companion and a husband and a family for so long. Thank you, God, for answering my prayer. So I'm encouraged. I'm so thankful. A couple weeks later, I have a prophetic friend that um, came to me and she was like, "Um, you know, Allison, don't look to your right or your left because your husband's not in Alabama. And I'm like, oh, Okay, because I was going to Chipotle with extra lipstick on and like my heels and, you know, oh, but he's not here. That's encouraging, too. That makes sense. You guys, I really thought that my husband was a professional baseball player. So I'm like, okay, well, my husband can't be in Alabama because we don't have an MLB baseball team. So, sure, he's from, you know, like the Phillies or something. You know, he's going to, I'm going to meet him some other time this year. I'm still thinking that. You know, I know it's crazy, but it was still so, so encouraging, right? To just hear those two words from the Lord. So, as you guys know, a few weeks later, I'm, I'm sorry, a few months later, COVID hit March, April 2020. So at this point, I actually got asked on to work full time. And that's even a God story because now I get to create beautiful moments on stage for life change for people, right? But still in production, sometimes I get to incorporate dance, which is amazing. So it's truly just such a godsend. But in that moment, 
um, in 2020, in April, um, our director came to us and called everybody in and said, hey, I know you guys have been watching the news. We made a decision as a church. All of our staff is going to grab their computers from work, and we're going to work remotely from home indefinitely. Indefinitely, you guys. It was really hard to kind of wrap my mind around. I know you guys all have had that thought. You remember being there. And when I went home, I didn't start working right away. I just started praying and pacing in my house, praying and pacing, praying and pacing. And I believe the Lord told me in that moment, this was so crazy, I'll never forget it. But he said, hey, call your ex. Wait, what? Excuse me? And he said, call your ex. So I stood there for a little minute. I'm like, Lord, I really want to be obedient, but I don't think this is the right decision. But okay, I trust you. In all my ways, I will trust you. Okay? So you guys, this is how much we didn't talk. I had to unblock him from my phone first. And then I texted. I didn't call. I just texted. And my text was, I'm praying for you and your family. So then I saw the little bubbles pop up on the phone and he said, can I call you? I said, yes. And he gave me a call. We stayed on the phone about two and a half hours, laughed, joked, talked, talked about his family, talked about what he gets to do with work now, just all the things. And it was really a pleasant conversation. Before we got off the phone, he said, you know what, Allison, I was just thinking, if we ever got the chance to talk again, I just always wanted to ask, would you ever consider going to counseling? And I was like, oh, he blew it. No, there's no way I'm going to counseling with you. There's no reason. That was a great conversation, but yeah, no, I'm good. Get off the phone, tell my girlfriend about it. And I was like, can you believe he asked about going to counseling? And she said, well, Allison, what do you have to lose? You're working from home indefinitely. He offered to pay for counseling. He offered to find the counselor. You don't have to be in a room with him. You can literally do this via Zoom. And the worst thing that could happen is, you know, you learn something more about yourself and you can move on. What's the harm in that? It's like, oh, you're very wise. Okay. Yes. So I did call him back and said, hey, I agree. We can, we can do that. And so for the next several weeks, we unpacked with the counselor who also was a believer. She is a believer. We unpacked some history some childhood things that I never knew about him, some things that I didn't know about myself, what motivates me, what encourages me, what doesn't. And so we learned so much about ourselves and each other. It really was just that one extra thing that the Lord said, okay, your heart can be healed. And my heart was actually healed that year. So that prophecy was right. Toward the end of the year, we we both prayed. We asked the Lord, okay, we both have tried to pursue other people and other things, but something just hasn't been right. I feel like now this is right. We prayed about it, and the Lord confirmed. And you guys, we got engaged in October of that year. And then January of 2021, we got married. And you guys, we've we've been married a little over two and a half years now. But it was such a cool story because we wouldn't have been able to do that without the Lord at all. 
we couldn't do that in our own strength. Um, and so the second prophecy that my friend said, you know, your husband's not in Alabama. Oh, he was in Florida. And I knew him the whole time. I just had no idea. Right. <laughs> What's so cool about it is that now we both live in Birmingham and we get to work for the very church that helped put us back together piece by piece and understand who God was, who Jesus was as a person and as a friend. And that was the only way we could find healing for ourselves and then for each other. And although I hit rock bottom, and it was rock bottom, it was the perfect place for God to lift me up from the pit, out of the muck and the mire, and give me a firm place to stand, like the Bible says in Psalm 40. If I stayed in the music industry, in the entertainment industry, I would still be struggling with unfulfillment and praise from other people. If I didn't call off the engagement, we probably would have gotten married, but probably divorced because we were living in sin. We weren't living for Christ and we had no idea who he was as a person to us individually. And if I called off the engagement, but I stayed in bitterness, I wouldn't have experienced the fullness of joy and the journey God wanted to take me on as a single person. And then I don't know, somebody may need to hear this too. If we had gotten back together too soon when we were, you know, kind of talking, seeing how each other were doing, if we got back together too soon, it wasn't God's best because it wasn't God's timing. So I want to encourage you to resist the urge to create your own fairy tale ending. If it's not God's, it's not his best and it's not your best. So now that we have the vantage point of truly seeing what's possible, when you fully surrender to God, my husband and I can now look at each other and truly say like, wow, look what the Lord has done, right? He saw me in my brokenness and, you know, striving for attention and all the other people, you know, singing my praises, do, touring all over the world. And I saw him, he owned a club, like a, a lounge, and he gave that up, you know, so I got to see that actually happen. And we can truly say, look what the Lord has done. Our family can attest. Look what the Lord has done. So I just want to encourage you guys. The Lord still changes. He still transforms and he still heals. Thank you very much. You know, as Allison ended her story there, she said a couple of times, look at what the Lord has done. And that's really why we wanted to title her episode that, because it is God's timing equals God's best, right? And she saw that over and over again, you know, waiting on really once she made the decision to leave, you know, the, the entertainment industry as a dancer and then trusting his lead in all of those different areas. I mean, it was amazing what the Lord did do as far as um, her relationship with her husband now. But you know, one of the things that just really struck me in this was just that it was her dream to be a dancer. And she, wow, she accomplished so many incredible things. And it made me think about, you know, years ago, back in the day, I had a dream of, of being in the news industry. And I mean, I was in high school. That's all I wanted to do, college. And when I finished college, I actually went into the news industry. And it was so obvious that the Lord did not want me there. And I kept fighting it and fighting it and trying to stay in it. And I was miserable at times. And then I finally did follow the leading of the Lord that I can look back on at that time of leaving the news industry 
But I can also see how even what I did in my 20s is now being used in my 50s with storytellers. Oh, of, yeah, you know, we being, love it. You know, the broadcasting know side yes. of it as well. So God is purposeful even when we are in something that we we feel Him calling us to leave. And we really, our dream is not to leave it, but He's purposeful in using it regardless. And, you know, I can really appreciate how at the time, She knew God was calling her to leave her career, to come back home with the safety net of her boyfriend, soon-to-be fiancé, and then that didn't work out, and their engagement broke. And it was like, Lord, I did what you asked me to do, and yet things keep getting worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we can all find ourselves in that place of, God, I did what you asked me to do. I walked away from something I loved or you know, whatever, and there's no reward in that. I think often we... I mean, usually we feel like there should be some kind of reward for obedience. And immediately. (laughs) My favorite part of Allison's story, and she had so many good nuggets, just very wise nuggets, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that has always Mm -hmm. been a verse in my life. And I love that she said, I I read it and I listened with fresh ears because the Lord kept pursuing her. And then when she asked herself, am I acknowledging God in all my ways Mm -hmm. so that He can direct my paths? And I think so many times, that is what we do. Mm -hmm. We'll give Him the top five things, but we won't give Him the rest. And so that kind of hit me between the eyes of, okay, Lord, where am I not acknowledging You in my life so that You can give me the best? And then at the very end, she talked about, He put me in a place for him to do his very best work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like y'all are saying, her dream, I mean, she was living literally her dream. Mm-hmm. Dancing for Beyonce doesn't get any better. <laughs> Let us pause and ponder. No. Of course, can I really name a Beyonce song? But I digress. But anyway, so for him to do his very best work, God wants us right where he wants us and just being discerning and listening for that. You know, Lindy, you bringing up the Proverbs verse, and that's just such a familiar verse to mm-hmm. a lot of us. But what what it made me think when I was listening to her talk about that is just that God's Word is alive and active, mm-hmm. and that it can speak to us in different ways at different times because it is alive and active. And then, you know, just one other thing that, that stuck out is just how she said, I was always chasing the next be- best thing, and just how the world continues to lie to us that the things of the world can fulfill us, and we all know that Satan is the father of lies. And so, you know, even even going into a new year, I think that that the biggest challenge for us is, okay, where are we believing some lies? And, and where is the Lord calling us to trust Him, to make a big step of faith in trusting Him? It's a, it's a great um, way to start off the new year. Mm-hmm. And if you're waiting for that answer, you know, if you've taken that leap and you, you can't see it yet, you can't see what God's doing I just want to encourage you to wait, to wait with him. I can just see myself in Allison's shoes. That was a very long time Mm -hmm. from the breaking of the engagement to years later getting married and see and seeing her story written in that time. You know, she's real uplifting in her communication, and there's no way that was an easy season for her. And so if you find yourself there, let's just pray. I would love to pray for anybody that finds themselves there right now, and we'll we'll wrap up here. Lord, thank you so much for walking us through our stories, for giving us perspective at some point. But God, will you be with those today who are sitting in the middle, who don't have perspective on how this is going to all turn out, who don't have the hope and the um, 
the knowledge that everything will be okay because of you, Lord, that it may not be the way they want it, but that it will be the way you want it, Lord, and that you um, are right beside each of us in the waiting. And so I just thank you for that today. I thank you walking into this new year, Lord, that you are with us, you never leave us, and you are by our side. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, um, Robin. Yes. And one thing, real quick, if you are in this place, if you want to write your story, if listening to these stories prompts you to say, you know, I think I would really like to write my story. I don't know what I want to do with it. I am doing a Discover Your Story workshop on January 25th on Zoom from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Central. You can sign up at storytellerslive.org slash shop, and you get a Discover Your Story journal. We mail that out to you, and then I would love to help you walk through your story on January 25th. So thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.